You're listening to the Masonic Light Podcast. Starring Pete Ruggieri, Larry Maris, and Jason Lewis. This podcast is not endorsed by any Grand Lodge, and the ridiculous ramblings of the hosts are their own. So sit back and enjoy some Masonic conversation without pretension. And now, here's your hosts, Pete, Larry, and Jason. Hey, everybody. Welcome to Masonic Light Podcast. It's episode 27. Is that too loud? You guys are all looking scared at Or so. No, 27. No, episode 27. Uh, and we have the whole crew here. Um, Jack, um, what were you doing last week? We'll start What's with up? you. What were you doing while we were missing? Uh, what was I doing last week? I had a business Bur- travel. Borough Council. Uh, was that? Oh, that's what it was. Yes. Um, actually, it was a lodge event. I was uh, appearing before the Borough Council subcommittee on highways and the relative humidity of, pro- I don't know, some ridiculous committee for the borough. And what we're trying to do is, because of the shift in demographics of the lodge, where now at least 60% of our membership is over the age of 75, um, we asked them to set aside four parking spaces in front of the lodge because we meet on Main Street in Ephrata, and it's a very busy highway, US 322, uh, every second Tuesday at 7 o'clock if you'd like to join us. Um, and but, you have no elevator. And um, yeah, we. And on street parking. But we do have some young members who will carry you up the stairs. So <laughs> we've got, we think we've got the ADA <laughs> compliance thing going there with that. But um, yeah, so I don't know how it went. Um, you know, it's good to have friends on Borough Council. Wink, wink. And show your ring. <laughs> what, what ring is that? I don't know. It's your some, class ring? That and, that, yeah, my, that and $5 will get you a cup of coffee. My fraternity ring. Yeah. Um, Jason, do you have anything Masonic happening the past couple of weeks? Mine's been boring. Just admin, executive meetings, getting ready for Scottish Rite reunion, and uh, but no meetings. Just officer meetings, board meetings, Masonic Center meetings, work meetings. So, in Me- other words, meetings. Meetings. Boring. Yep. N- none of us are as dumb as all of us. That's the, what a meeting's all about. Did we? I don't remember. Did we talk about Virtual Island Castle Lodge? Castle <laughs> Island Virtual Lodge? <laughs> No, no, I don't no. Think we did no because I told you it sounded silly, but you said it actually was pretty cool. Yeah, ca- sorry, Castle Island Virtual Lodge. I attended uh, about two, three weeks ago with uh, Jack Aquilina was there. Scott Hoover came over to my house and we tiled my uh, my office, but that was pretty fun. So I think we re- re- we recorded since then, but uh, but that was actually it was great. It was a lot of fun. There was guys from uh, oh man, Australia, Malaysia. A lot of people from Pennsylvania. There was uh, us from Pennsylvania, another gentleman from Pennsylvania, California, Colorado, and uh, their grand lodge is out of Manitoba. So, what, what do you guys talk about? It, it what's open and entered apprentice, and they read their minutes, you know, like normal. And then there's a speaker. And so, do you just like do stand up and you like do the signs in your room? There was a, a, there was. A <laughs> sign. Yourself. There was a sign thrown at in the opening. mirror. Yeah, and that was that was about it. But nobody got to see it because that was on. No, it's on video. It's all through WebEx. It's a it's a secured WebEx link, and before you secured before you <laughs> before you get on, you need to uh, 
send your letter of good standing or have somebody vouch for you, yada, yada. The district deputy of uh, one of the districts in Manitoba. Yeah, has, have any of the district deputies in Pennsylvania approved of that? I don't think the district deputies in Pennsylvania would even know how to access it. I don't think they ever need to know. They would, they would just get somebody to watch on their behalf. Nah, it's all innocuous anyway. But it was a lot of fun. Knock it all you want, but it was, uh, it was a lot of fun. The uh, worshipful master of that virtual lodge, I think, wants to appear on our show. If I'm, am I right about that? He does, and he wants to appear virtually. Yes, what? virtually. That's virtually amazing. It'll be a virtuous night. <laughs> Had to be said. Larry, do you have anything Masonically? Uh, lodge meeting last Tuesday. How nice. was that? Uh, the deputy district grandmaster <laughs> was there with all the pomp and ceremony and all the worshipful masters from the various lodges. We love purple collars uh, and purple aprons. Three, uh, two, two, let me see, two and a half hours later, we get out of there at 10 o'clock. Long night. But it was a it was a good night. It was a good night. But the good news was we have sound coming. We're gonna we're gonna yes we're gonna mic yes. up the blue room. Yep. yep. <gasps> Very cool. Wait, what? We should be on the History Channel. I know, right? <laughs> and Goose and Gridiron. Uh, oh yeah. I'll always bring that up. Uh, I am speaking at the Zembo this coming Wednesday. Zembo Shrine in uh, yes, Zembo Harrisburg? Shrine in Harrisburg, the Legion of Honor. They haven't sold that building yet. They're, no, not yet. He's actually standing it. in the parking hey, lot they speaking. Will. That's, That's true. Happen. Hey, man, right sold. next to the sign. And padlocked, and I'll be out in the parking lot giving the speech. You're it is a right. beautiful building. Oh, it's gorgeous. Um, in fact, Jack gave me a Jim Beam beer decanter, or liquor decanter, a couple what? years ago. Of the Zembo Mosque. I did. I want that back. <laughs> so, yeah, it was actually, um, you know, before we started all of our international conflicts, um, they kind of referred to the Zembo Shrine as the Zembo Mosque. Mm-hmm. But apparently we just don't do that anymore. I don't know whether it's <laughs> intentional or not. I had no idea. Like back in, I guess, the 20s and 30s, the 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 tiki and Middle Eastern theme was was pretty common in, in fraternal Pretty much, yeah. So that that's how like the fez came about for shrine for grotto and a bunch of well, other. Napoleon had just finished, you know, pillaging Egypt, so that that's when all that. Yeah, well, they had just, um, I guess, just got into Tutankhamun's tomb in the 1920s, so right. it was like all a rage. So yeah, anything started in the 20s was probably Egyptian based. Um, maybe too. Although maybe? before before I I became a mason i was in atlanta on business and we went to the fox theater and one of the guys in the group that we were with looked around and he's like wow i know what this is <laughs> like what are you talking about he says this is a, this is a masonic hall right here i said what he said yeah there's stuff all through the fox theater in atlanta this was this was this had to be a shrine auditorium and it turns out i guess i guess it was i don't know i'm not I, I didn't know Michael J. Fox had a. It's true. Auditorium. Go back in time. Isn't that where they showed Gone with the Wind for the first time? It was. Yeah. yeah. It was a huge thing. Yeah. The only thing I had going on was uh, we had a Tall Cedars meeting. So yeah, that was all. The meeting went okay. The meeting was very painful. Let me tell you guys about the meeting. The Tall Cedars. Yeah, yeah, and and I'm only telling you because I'm pretty sure the two people involved don't listen to the show. Well, one does. <laughs> no, no, one does. And he said to me, has Pete told you about the meeting we had yet? No, dear. And I said, no, but we're going to talk about it tonight. Oh. And so. he said, 
Oh Lord. <laughs> okay, so so a couple things happen, and I think I'm not speaking out of school when I say that um, our other brother Larry, who's a past master of our lodge, gets even though he talks in front of people for a living, I think he gets a little bit nervous when he talks in front of people. And um, so he was trying to set up the AV equipment for our speaker. Oh, sweet Lord. And he couldn't get <laughs> he couldn't get the DVD player to play through his laptop and into the projector. And uh, now he has tunnel vision because he just that's all he can think about. He's not thinking about the fact that it's junior senior night and he's the senior deputy grand hall. So it's kind of like his thing. And I've only been in this organization for a few months and I'm the junior. So, but before all that happened, we had our agenda laid out for the evening and Bob, who is a elderly gentleman um, that comes to our breakfast, he is, his job is called the um, preceptor preceptor. And they kind of, you know, it's kind of like the guy that comes out, warms up the crowd, you know, um, and he announces the officers. Well, Bob started reading something at like 630 before he was getting ready to serve dinner that was supposed to be like way after dinner and during the. So he like tells us all to line up and he sends all the visiting officers out into the hallway to be introduced. Live and learn. Uh, so, Larry, what's the uh, what's tonight's the topic of tonight's the topic show? Topic of tonight's show is the Templar myth and Freemasonry. All right, well, let's take a break and we'll come back to the Templar myth. The Red Serpent by Larry Maris. One man's obsession to avenge the death of his wife uncovers a long hidden, ancient blueprint to perfect the world for future generations. Visit www.larrymaris.com. You can purchase this book anywhere except CVS. Hey, and we're back. Uh, we had some uh, good laughs while we were off air. So we'll see, maybe we'll see if any of that is playable. Um, so, Larry. Yes. You, you have the, uh, the great idea about what tonight's episode was going to be. Yeah, basically, <clears throat> I chose it because... I know Jack has some strong opinions about things, and uh, I, I did a lot of research, what? and I presented a paper to the... Well, uh, you're pretty much obsessed with the Templars. Yeah, but I'm not a Templar. Isn't that amazing? Well, it's because you, your wife won't pay the dues for you. Yeah, it's true. <laughs> you can't afford the horse. No, they don't, they don't make uniforms for people built like us. Does, that's true. That's true. That's true. You talked about getting them custom made. You're spending some big dollars. But anyway... Uh, so I thought that would be you're a good wrong, topic. You're wrong, Larry. To, you're completely wrong. Totally just, wrong. You're wrong. Totally you're, wrong. You're just wrong. Well, basically, I'll kick it off. And what I think both Jack and I are going to say, and Jack, you can say this yourself, <laughs> these are opinions. <laughs> Thank you very much. What we're expressing here is our opinion on things. It's not fact. There are no real facts. No one can substantiate a thing about uh, maybe Jack's viewpoint or my viewpoint. My point is, I think, my opinion that we actually evolved from the Knights Templar uh, through the course of all of events from about 1307, probably even before, that when uh, the Pope uh, had, uh, or when the King invested Jacques de Molay and the, uh, the Templar Knights and their minions scattered around the damn world with all of their treasures, 
uh, that there was a huge underground that was built, perhaps through stonemason lodges, uh, cathedral builders, which was a, a perfect place for Templars to head off to because they funded most of the cathedrals. Uh, and, but there was a huge underground. There were something like about thirty-five to 45,000 knights that were actually part of the Templar service, part of the, part of the unit. And each of those knights had a couple of uh, They had at least eight servants. Yeah, so there was a whole entourage they, they had for their, each knight. Exactly, there was. for right. each knight. They had their farms. They had their holdings. They had their hotels. They had their <coughs> fleet of uh, trading ships and naval vessels. I mean, all of this, hundreds and, of thousands of people. Right, none of it was located. None of it was after, located. Right. Totally disappeared. Well, you had, a heck, had to have a heck of an underground. And my thing was, I think that through uh, the, the, uh, the fact that they were fleeing, they were going underground, they had a support, uh, support network set up. And actually, I think a lot of the support network were, were, were basically uh, uh, trade unions, which we didn't call them unions at that time. We had guilds, the names guilds, thank yeah. you, yeah. Uh, and, and there was a complete underground that was set up, and Freemasonry emanated from that underground. Which tells me that uh, theoretically, maybe uh, we did uh, we, we we did begin with the, uh, the so Templar. so Professor Robinson because this this sounds a oh, lot, I, I this think sounds, he's, he's the greatest this he's sounds greatest. a whole lot like that whole um, uh, that whole scenario. But I base um, my but 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 hang on hang on but but Born in Blood is the first book that most young Masons are handed. When they join the lodge and say, what is this really? And they, they all get a copy of Born in Blood, and that becomes tattooed on them. And I'm sorry, Jason. I don't have a tattoo on me. Nothing personal. Uh, we can make that work, though. But um, and, and, and God bless him, and I think there's some truth in what he writes. So don't get me wrong. I don't disbelieve everything you're saying. I just think you're completely wrong. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> well, I know personally the first two books I read about Freemasonry were Born in Blood. Thank you. And the Solomon Key. Yeah, the, each, yeah. Which was like Knight and Lomas or yeah, oh, yeah, the Hiram yeah, Key. Those Hiram guys, Key. yeah. Yeah, and that was all about way before Dan Brown, where they alluded to the fact that that um, the Knights were... Well, that's, came, that's, that's the, where the whole subject of the holy... The, the blood. The, the blood royal. Sangreal. Right, Sangreal, yeah. yeah. But, um, yeah, so... So, yeah, I'm predisposed to believing that because the first... Two books I read in Freemasonry were proponents of that. Right. And whether or not that's true or not is almost assuredly unprovable. Well, here, here's, a, here's another thing. Um, I read those books as well. and uh, But I read many, 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 many more. Uh, you've got, you visited, you see, you see my library downstairs. Uh, half that library consists of that kind of research. Uh, so I, I'm looking at it, and, and again, even though I read all of this and researched it and I wrote papers on this, there's still no conclusive evidence. Right. The, but, I, I mean, unless somebody unearths a tomb from the 1400s that has both Templar symbols and, and Masonic symbols. Yeah, or, and, a, and a book of matches. Right? Yeah, yeah, I mean, the, the closest, and the other thing is if you go back to, uh, like, at Roslyn Chapel, when Mr. Sinclair died, um, he had wrote on his tombstone, Knight Templar, 
Yeah, there were. Yeah, right. He that's what he called himself. But he it was what the 1700s. Like, no, maybe he was a kook. I don't know. Oh well, the St. Clairs were back yeah. there in the 1300s. Yeah, they were. They were right. So yeah, you're saying that the, 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 free, the, the Freem- Ro- Roslyn was built in the 1400s. What? So you're saying the Freemasonry started with the Templars and about the 10, 1037? I, 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 I think it's. I think the philosophy. I think the uh, uh, the foundation was there. I think because of that. I think personally, I think two covert groups fell in line together at the same time, under the same blanket of oh, secrecy. The Illuminati and the Rose No, 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 that, no, 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 no. That all came later. That came with opium and the 18th century. But, but I, I do believe that at some point there was a period of time when any new knowledge, light, um, was considered heretical. And in order to spread that light, one needed the cover of secrecy. And they found this as this particular trade guild as as opposed to the carpenters guild or the shoemakers guild or the you know fabric makers guild or the fuller's guild or whatever. This particular guild had this structure already set up because it was chartered in 983, right? Um, so there was this whole old-time, old-school structure that was built around secrecy, obedience, and loyalty. And that's what we have today. And, and, and that, I think, is as close to a genealogy as you can produce. Well, the guilds themselves were right. very similar to the stonemasons, to the guilds. Right. They had their apprentices. They had their their masters. They had uh, uh, they had their secrecy. Right. They had uh, because they they wanted to control. But one of the biggest differences in them <clears throat> was the traveling component. And then, yeah. in order to travel to the next construction site, you had to have that those certain word signs and tokens that would let you into the you know into the playground. Um, but what I what I do think happened was that in the in the 16th, well, 17th and 18th centuries, there was a huge explosion in scientific knowledge, right? Priestlies and 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 all the people that were just really uncovering the fundamental nature of science of the world as we know it, of the geo, the earth, metry, the measurement of, right? So all those proto-scientists that were just coming out and publishing their work, again, needed a blanket of secrecy to spread it out in. And it's no mistake that the first class of the Royal College of Science in, in Oxford was who? Isaac Newton, Christopher Wren, all those people who were the... Elias Ashmole. Yeah. Mm -hmm. All Freemasons. Yeah, all of that because they needed the cover of secrecy in order to spread that new knowledge or else they would have been like Galileo, confined or or destroyed because they were bringing light to the world. So, I mean, that's where I see all of this. If you're going to give us a genealogy, I... Rather than the knights, and the knights are great, and I love the knights and swords, and you know, are you with me, Wallace, and all that. <laughs> um, but but I I think it's it's less dramatic than that. It's more pragmatic. Um, the, the the whole spread of Freemasonry in the 19th century, right, as England became you know the nation that the sun never set on the British Empire, right. What better way 
to guarantee your interests in trade abroad than to have a whole bunch of people sworn to consider your interests as sacred as their own, right? Under the penalty of being ostracized by everybody in town, they'd never do business again. So for, for me, that's the second wave. That Maybe that first wave was that scientific stuff, but the second wave was the, the international trade component that just set up a structure of public guarantee. That, that we still work with. Today. When did that second wave take place? When, when the British Empire exploded and you're, oh, and you're, okay. and you're going okay. to, you know, you're opening the spice routes and you're opening, you know, the... But let's go back even further. The Knights Templar set those trade routes up. The Knights Templar had a commercial fleet. Not this... Yes, true. The Knights Templar had banking and finance throughout mm -hmm. all of their area. Knights Templar had hotel systems. Right, but how does that make them any part of this secret society? They're the egg. Where? They're the egg. They came before the chicken. You're talking about the British Empire being the chicken. I am the walrus. <laughs> Cuckoo -cuck -cuck you. <laughs> uh, Thank you for bringing us back. Yes. All right. So we should probably no, like, take a breath. Oh, uh, okay. We'll, 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 we'll take a break while we try and resuscitate Larry. <laughs> Welcome back. <laughs> so, Larry, <laughs> this episode is going downhill really quickly. No, this is a pretty good. No, this is good. This is really good. Okay, so, Larry, is there anything that'll make you give up on your theory? No. Okay, good. <laughs> I mean, I, I do wonder, like, where they went. I, it's a great mystery. Where did the Templars go? And where did their secret secrecy, you know, take them? And I don't see it as a, a stretch to think that maybe they kind of got melded in and absorbed into the existing system of secrecy that was out there, like Jack's saying. Right, absolutely. You yeah. know, so... No argument there. You know, I, yeah. I, so I think, you know, I want to be like a... No, I was going to say a debutante, the wrong word. A, <laughs> uh, a diplomat. I don't want to be a diplomat, but, like, I think you're both right. Right. Like, yeah. like well, they, I, they, they come together and just... And maybe Larry's right. It is the, the one egg. There's two eggs. They came together and they made an omelet. See, and, and the only place we differ in this, Larry, and and I, you know that I love you. Uh, Absolutely. Uh, yes. Okay. Yes, I so do. that's that's established, right? Mwah. So the only difference is is how you define that gray area in the middle, which is all about interpersonal relationships that there is no record of. That's that's what. That's what really defines this argument, right? So it's un it's unknowable, right? It's agnostic. Well, but you have to you have to you do see though that Freemasons historically, when they're telling their stories and they're using parables and they're using all these things, just like you know, all of us and pretty much all of our listeners, your your degree work is all based around the Hiramic legend. Yeah. But you know, 100, 150 years ago, you you just you you take Hiram out and you implant Noah. 
Right. The, you know, and, and there's, I have like, um, I don't know whether it's Morgan's book or like, you know, monitor on Freemasonry or something from the 1800s. And it details every single degree. And like the degree that I know when I went through Scottish, right. Uh, the Prince of Peace, I think that degree was all about like civil war soldiers. Well, in this book, it was about Jesus. And, you know, so we're, we love grabbing well-known historical and especially creepy things. So what could be more secretive, creepy things. you know, than secretive and badass than these knights? Because they were like some super tough guys. Well, all right. So so take go up to 30,000 feet and let's look at what's happening. It's, it's, it's the middle of the 13th century and all these failed knights are coming home from... The Orient, which then was that area, right? So they're coming back and they're bringing back all that Byzantine knowledge that the West had lost when Alexandria was sacked, right? So, so the West goes into the Dark Ages, but there's still this remnant of knights errant that are running around the Middle East, and they're and they're absorbing the culture, and they're absorbing the algebra, and they're. And they're absorbing all of the geometry of the buildings and all that stuff. And then they're going home to Europe. So absolutely, they brought that stuff back. And I see, um, I see that whole wave of people going back from the, from the Crusades as being, you know, that's when, that, was, that was the spark that lit the Renaissance. So yeah. I, I, I don't see any difference in, in where we come from. I just, it doesn't, there's no value for me, anyway, and, and this is where it's different, right? Because this is me and you're you. I don't draw any value in this whole ancient um, Christian knights th theory. It, it doesn't do anything for me. Um, but if it does something for you, that's great. You know, you're, you are, uh, you're, you're honored to take that, to take that opinion that, that it was the knights that did that did it. I think it was a, it was just a geopolitical shift as much as, as much as it was specifically about the Knights. Mm -hmm. So anything else you want to cover on this topic, Larry? Thread oh, wait, oh, wait, we're just beginning actually. So like something, what else? Well, um, you missed your notes. So, you know, we'll... yeah, I didn't bring any notes here tonight at all. I tried to do this from memory and my memory. Failing we're we're going to do this by the format and the notes. I don't have any notes. Yeah. <laughs> Oh, yeah, I did say that earlier, didn't I? Yeah. So, so, Larry, Larry, I think this is a good time to interrupt and address something you brought up to me off air, and I think we need to bring it up on air. Okay. You told me that you've received a few phone calls. Yes, I have. Accusing this show, and probably especially me, of ageism. Only because um, you're the snarkiest. I don't know that I want to call it. I've had a few that alluded to that. Yeah. Yeah, the others were, uh, the others were kind of like that, or maybe I, I was being treated harshly, or. But no, but we but have what, fun with but it. But what I that's right. When we put this show together, you and I, one of the things we talked about was Chocolate let's have fun here, with this. Yeah, and yeah, yeah. There were certain things that I would do <laughs> that you brought up, and it was perfect. And I and I tell people, especially the people that call me. I want to say this show is scripted. It's loosely scripted. But we stay. There is not anything that we say to each other that we don't clear with each other 
or we don't agree with. I mean, it's part of our show. It's part of what makes us, I think, good. I don't want to say it's a shtick, but, I mean, we do this on purpose. We do it on purpose, exactly. But this is the same way I talk to you at breakfast. Yes, you do. Yeah, I mean, I'm not... This is the same way you'll talk to me at lunch. Right, but the point being is that that's why people enjoy coming to breakfast, because they see the... That's right. It's real. That's right. The fraternal slapstick. But but I think... (laughs) I I, I think probably what people don't see is uh, I can give it back as well as take it. Right. And that doesn't show up here. But I don't want it to, because we have a very good show here. We have a... We have a way of doing it, and it's successful. What, one of the things, like, and and Jason was talking about this earlier. When Jason was talking about the um, it's the right, virtual lodge, right? Okay, so Larry's talking about the vir- or Jason was talking about this virtual lodge, and you know what? For me, for Pete, it's I think it's silly. It's not something I'm into, but like I see there's value in it, and there's a lot of uptight masons out there that they treat this whole fraternity with such high reverence that it's not something that you should ever joke about like no fun shall ever be had well you know that's just not and i'm they can have that opinion but they need to tolerate the fact that there's a lot of masons out there that have fun being progressive is not irreverence and i think that's a difficult pill you know the unfortunate part is that the Wow, somebody write that down. That was profound as hell. What did you just say? I don't remember, but luckily we have it. We have it on tape. And I, and I don't want, I don't, I, I'm going to be being, careful. How being I, progressive is not irreverence. So right. I got that. Yeah, there you go. I do think, though, that as a whole, that Freemasonry has been very accepting of the changes. I mean, they're not opening the door immediately. But I look around at all the different stuff that is driving interest in our craft. And when the older folks are seeing the petitions that are coming with it, they're... But, you know, the things are traditional observance lodges are on the uprise. You know, everybody wants to go visit a traditional observance lodge. And younger people, everybody wants to go visit a virtual lodge. I want to do both. It's not a... Old is better than new. It's different is better than the way that we're doing it now. I mean, both of those things are on far ends of the spectrum, and they're both equally interesting. When we initially talked about the ageism thing, I I, I started looking at my life in Freemason for almost 44 years, and, and I actually began to do some research on it. And I'll tell you what, there's nothing out there on it. And I don't think we have a problem where ageism is involved in our fraternity. Uh, you you guys know how old I am. I know how old you guys are. We don't have a problem with my age at all. And I look at my lodge. We have some guys in there that are a lot older than I am. And I love these guys. And the young people look up to them. There's no disrespect. Well, I you know, I look at our breakfast. I think, is Bob the oldest at 83? Uh, I think Sam is. Isn't he? He's in the, almost 90. Okay. So we go, and if Tyler, who's the young guy? There's somebody there that's 21. That comes. Uh, ben Walker. No, ben? he's got kids. He's uh, older than that. All right. But we go from our 20s to almost 90 at this group. And we all interact and we have fun with each other. And yes, I treat any adult with respect. But like, I treat those guys like my brothers. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, I have fun with them and I goof around with them. And that's not disrespectful. Well, I, I think, think, you know, we're also. If I know, treated them, if I treated them with kid gloves. 
that's actually being discriminatory. Correct. I think it's disrespectful too. Yeah. 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 I, but I think that in the context of what we received, this concern was show was our show specific. Not. I mean, we're going on a tangent and applying it to all of masonry, but you know, we're just. <clears throat> and for all intents and purposes, what happens I, here I, is. I think that's. Shtick. I I honestly think that's part of the point of it, though, is to point out that all that stuff is universal and applies across, you know, different situations. There, there's something that I like to call. And I didn't come up with this. I think I heard Bill Maher say it the first time. The, the soft bigotry of low expectations. If I were to be nice to Larry just because he's old, like, that is like, you know what? He can't that, do any better. That's the worst kind of ageism. Right. right? Yeah, that, I guess that's my point. <laughs> like, the best thing I can do is treat everybody the same. And Absolutely. if that's shitty, that's how I treat people. But it's my birthday, so I'm allowed <laughs> Happy birthday, by the oh, way. Oh, yeah. Happy yeah. birthday, brother Pete. Yeah, absolutely. The cake was outstanding. Yes, we had some ice cream cake before the show. Yes. All righty. Yeah. I guess we'll take another quick break, and we've got some uh, interesting segments coming up. I don't know what they are, but we have interesting segments. They'll be fascinating. Hey there, listeners. This is Pete, and I wanted to tell you about MasonicScarves.com. Masonic Scarves offers full-color, knitted, soccer-style scarves, perfect for you to wear to lodge, out casually or even to display in your home. I currently have in our lineup pretty much every Masonic body from Blue Lodge, York Rite, Scottish Rite, Grotto, Shrine. If you think about it, I probably have it. Are you a turtle? Well, you bet your sweet ass I have a scarf for that. So you can easily order online with a credit card and I'll generally have your scarf in the mail the next business day. Do you need an easy fundraiser for your lodge or organization? I can have a custom scarf design delivered to you in about four weeks, as long as you order a minimum of 50 pieces. I can help you with the artwork, and you'll have an original item that you can sell or hand out as a gift for visitors or past masters. Visit MasonicScarves.com or drop me an email at info at MasonicScarves, and I'll be glad to help you. Hey, we're back. Um, coming up, we have... Corpus Obscurum, the Seth Anthony. And uh, Larry, you were just saying, like, Seth is actually, besides recording these for us, he's actually doing a lot for us. Yeah, he is. Seth has, has become one of our strongest supporters. And uh, he got a hold of me the other day, and he has some people that he, he brought before me that he said might be interested in coming on the show. And I said, absolutely. And when I asked him about them, he sent me some links that they're on. These people are fantastic. So thank you so much. Uh, and thanks for being one of our strongest supporters. Really, you're, you're helping us a lot. And uh, the Museum of Phasology, we want to give that a shout out. Uh, that is an awesome organization. And I understand it's being remodeled right now. It is. Uh, yes. Brother Scott Hoover's painting. Down there painting. Yes, exactly. I mean, <laughs> place is going to be a showroom. I hope uh, he's got a lot of drop cloths. And uh, <laughs> He's got a tendency to get some overspray on a fez. I don't want that to happen. <laughs> uh, and then, uh, so we're going to listen to, we're going to uh, take a listen to uh, Seth's piece of Corpus Obscurum. And then we're going to go right into Brother on the Street. And who's on Brother on the Street this week? Brother Noel Wenrick. And Noel's a past master of your lodge. He is. And he is also the charter president I'm of the Widow's Sons in... Lancaster. Lancaster. Yep. And he is the statewide secretary, I believe. Okay. So, yeah. So you can hear a lot about what uh, Brother uh, <clears throat> brother Noel is doing with... Uh, Rebuilding a Huey. 
You're about to enter Corpora Obscura, the realm of weird fraternal organization. Leave your Freemasonry behind. Prepare to meet druids, caliphs, and wild creatures. Knock thrice and enter at your own risk. Good day, podcast listener. Everyone knows the story of King Arthur, right? Well, what happens when Masons take the story, add a dash of biblical lore, and a Freemason's flair for ritual? Why, you get the ancient order of Knights of the Mystic Chain. Founded by Freemasons in 1871, the group had a strong Masonic influence in its rituals and degrees, as well as incorporating elements from the Bible and Arthurian legend. The Knights were organized on three levels. Local units were called subordinate castles. State or regional groups were grand castles, and the highest authority was, you guessed it, the Supreme Castle. Reflecting the Masonic background of its founders, the Knights of the Ancient Order of the Mystic Chain were three degrees. The first was the White, or Esquire degree, which was based on the story of the Good Samaritan. The Sir Knights, or Blue degree, was based on Arthurian legend. The third was the Red, or Round Table degree, which emphasized the certainty of death. There was also a uniformed mark degree open to past officers of subordinate castles, and a supreme degree conferred by the Supreme Castle. In 1890, a female auxiliary called the Naomi or Daughters of Ruth degree was founded. Originally, this was controlled by the Supreme Castle, but later became autonomous. Popular along the eastern seaboard, and especially in eastern Pennsylvania, the group flourished during the Golden Age of Fraternalism, but started to die out around the time of the Great Depression. Today, it is presumed that the order is extinct. Want to know more? You can learn about historic fraternal groups and the effect they had on America by visiting and supporting the J.H. Rathbone Museum, located in Lafayette, Indiana, and on the web at www.jhrathbonemuseum.org. Brother on the Street with R.C. McCorvey. Back by popular demand here, Brother on the Street, live in Lidditz, Pennsylvania, at Dutch County Helicopters with our brother Noel. He's a uh, Little Sons president, past master of uh, Lodge 43. And we're here today to bring awareness of uh, a project he's working on. Uh, over here at the helicopter place. Uh, why don't you tell us a little bit about it? Uh, what we're doing is, it's a group called Liberty Warbird Association, and we're working on restoring to flight status a Huey helicopter that actually flew in Vietnam <clears throat> from 67 through 69. So we basically bought the helicopter. It was no longer flying, hadn't flown in 12 years. Over the last two years, we've taken it, totally torn it down, and are in the process of rebuilding it now. And again, the, the end goal is to have this flying again so that we can go out and um, take former you know Vietnam veterans out on helicopter ride as well as the public and make them aware of what the Huey is and what it did for us back in Nam. Well, I've been in and toured it, and it's phenomenal. Um, it's totally, they're totally restoring it. It's totally tore down and they're building it up and how many guys do you have working in a crew uh there's approximately 
11 of us to turn wrenches and then the admin, admin side getting parts and some other things. There's a total of about 20 very regular people. And they were telling me a story about the cost of the uh, propellers. Uh, the, the rotor rotors, blades. The themselves. rotor blades are mm -hmm. phenomenal. What's the price on that again? Uh, $60,000 per blade is what they're telling us. That's a lot of fundraising. It was telling me the different fundraisings you guys have done. You actually have took them out, the whole helicopter, put it on a truck and took it out to Carlisle. Uh, and what other kind of fundraisings yeah, they do? Well, it was over at the Army Heritage Museum in Carlisle. Uh, here at the airport each year, they do a 5K run that actually utilizes the runway of the airport. Um, I think they said that's going to be in October this year. Uh, there's community days that the airport holds. It'll be out on static display for that. We'll pull it out of the hangar so it can be viewed. Uh, as well as we're now planning a motorcycle ride, which isn't totally done yet, so we can't announce it. We've still got a couple little things to work out. But we're going to do a motorcycle ride and then a, a little cookout here and hopefully raise some money from that. Yeah, I would advise every, anybody and everybody to come by and take a look. It's a, it's a phenomenal uh, thing that's going on here. Uh, this is mind-blowing because I've never saw a Huey live. I've always saw them either on TV or in pictures, but to actually go through, see, see the helicopter, interact with it, see the different parts, what make it, just to see it, you know. And uh, I'm not I'm not a vet, but I could imagine, you know, the vets to come in and probably bring back a lot of memories. Well, you were in there uh, while we were doing our tour. That was a veteran from Nam that was in there, the other guy that was coming around. And uh, he was starting to tell some of the stories about how the Huey, Huey came in and saved his life. Yeah, he was saying his, <coughs> his granddaughter had, he had pictures of his granddaughter in it or something like that. It, it, it's, it, it's, a, it's a history, live history in there. And, well, it's uh, history that you're actually able to put your hands on. It's not like a museum piece like down Smithsonian. They've got a Huey down there. But you can't touch it. You can't feel it. You can't open the doors and look inside. Yeah, well, they would open the doors, roll the windows down, feel the skin. Uh, they had was showing me the stories and actually the visualizing the different bullet wounds that were patched and repatched. And uh, it's a phenomenal thing. Uh, if they want to get a hold of anybody there or uh, go on Facebook or actually come down here live and see it, yeah, well, you're talking about the bullet patches. I'll get to yeah. that at the end. There are, that we know of and have counted, 37 bullet hole patches. So this thing saw some hard combat. So, you know, again, that's something you just can't see. It's usually repaired. We're going to leave those patches on there, and as it was in Nam, it will be today. Um, the uh, website for uh, Liberty Warbirds is Liberty Warbirds, all one word, at gmail.com is the email address. Uh, it is on Facebook. Uh, just search Liberty War Bird. And it's, again, that's all one word, but it's War, W-A-R, no S in that one. And that is how you can get a hold of them, put messages through. They do respond to that. Um, it's kind of how I was contacted originally. A uh, gentleman that I had served with and was crew chiefing with had uh, found me through Facebook and told me about this project and um, just invited me to come down. Literally came down, walked in the hangar, smelled the smells, and I was he looked at me and goes, you're here for five years. Okay. So, you know, 
it, it is an amazing thing. They do respond to any emails you send them or any <clears throat> inquiries you make on Facebook. Okay. I see the number here, 717-575-3757. That's 717-575-3757. Uh, you were past master at 43. And uh, just want a little history on um, how you became a Mason and how long you've been a Mason and what have you got out of being a Mason? Man, what I got out is the hardest question you got there, man. What are you doing to me? <laughs> uh, I'm in my 12th year of Freemasonry now. Um, turns out, you know, we'll, we'll go back. I used to go to the Shriners, um, Zumbo Shrine, their circus every year. I would go to that every year as a kid, and I remembered that, loved it. And I found out as I grew up, and I went out and joined the military, there's this group of Masons out there, and the Shriners belong to them. Well, I wanted to be a Shriner. So how do I get into Masons? And while I was in the military, I had a hard time with that. Couldn't connect with somebody that could get me into a lodge. When I came back home, found somebody that would sponsor me into a lodge, joined up, and then I saw the officer line, got interested in that. And, you know, in our lodge, it's about a nine-year journey to go up to become master, and Working my way up through, and now I'm past master. So I get to sit back on the sidelines and grumble about not the way I did it. But now you also have something very special going on. You'll be uh, uh, yeah, yeah, that was... <laughs> yeah, you'll be uh... my son, who is 26, will be joining our lodge. Um, I am going to be conferring his first degree. If I can uh, stagger through it, it, it there's going to be people there just to see if I crack. <laughs> That's going to be very interesting. He's like uh, going on it. He's doing the last, the first degree, but he's doing it at the end of the night, right? Yeah, he'll be the. I, I'll be doing that long degree at the end of the night. That's going to be a long night. We as Masons know about that being long nights and getting up, going to work first thing in the morning. But <laughs> <laughs> well, that's going to be exciting to see. I'll be attending that, and uh, I might be doing a, a live interview from there afterwards. And uh, yeah, I guess I'll do that to. Uh, Give you guys an update and see how it went. So stay tuned. This is Brother on the Street Out with Brother Noel from Past Master 43. Hey, welcome back. And uh, that was, uh, you just heard Brother Noel and uh, Brother on the Street. Yeah, talking about rebuilding a wartime helicopter vietnam war huey helicopter so um i think we need to rein brother on the street in a little bit because i think his clip was what two gigs and 15 minutes of video (laughs) so we're um hopefully you all saw that video in your your plugs so yeah we only put a about half of that on the on the show so we're going to have a link to the full thing on our uh facebook page yeah because they do continue on talking about the widow son which is pretty the widow's sons, which is pretty uh, interesting yeah, as well. Yeah, so you have a fifteen-minute video clip you can take a look at. Yeah, RC brother on the streets doing some good, some good work right now. Let's face it, doing some real good work. I mean, it's the best work he's done all week. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, <laughs> um, Larry, yes, sir. So, uh, do you have anything Masonic coming up in next week or two? Uh, other than Wednesday at the Zembo, uh, no, I do not. Oh, Goose and Gridiron, you know the usual stuff. Uh, nothing nothing exceptional, nothing special. Jason, you have anything coming up? We have our stated meeting, and we're doing a widow's program, which will be pretty nice. And then uh, there, the week after that is a reunion for the Scottish Rite. And those are the two big ones coming up. 
Jack, you have anything going on? Well, we have a uh, stated meeting on Tuesday. Dinner at 6, meeting at 7. Uh, and then we have some extra work on Thursday of this. Well, <laughs> this week being last week because it's right. next week before this is this week. Um, so this coming weekend, I have something kind of big going on. You guys all should go, but you won't. Easter. Um, it's not. Okay, Are it's not this weekend. Bunny? Not this weekend because that's Easter. Oh. Um, two weekends is the Pennsylvania Grotto Association. The Empire State Grotto Association yeah. and the Colonial Grotto Association were all having our meeting at the same place at the same time. Oh. So we're going to be at the Aspire Hotel uh, in Gettysburg. And uh, it's just going to, we don't, at least for the Colonial Grotto Association, this is our, we meet two times a year and this is like the off time. So we don't vote on anybody. There's really nothing to talk about other than just, so we're just going. To have fun. To be social. Yeah. The main day is Saturday, right? The main day is Saturday where if you want to go to the dinner at night or we actually have um, a real meeting where we would vote on things that we need to vote on everything. But I mean, Friday night, if you want to come up just for the... And, um, and what officer are you in in one of these? I am the president of the Colonial Grotto Association. Victor Mann, who is uh, the Supreme Council... Junior? No, he is the captain, captain. of the guard... He is president of the Empire State Grotto Association, and a guy named Russell Combs, who's a, a past master from Delco Grotto, is uh, president of the Pennsylvania Grotto Association. He also worked at Grand Lodge. I don't know what his title was there, but he was a Grand Lodge. Yeah. So we're, I mean, basically, the hospitality room is going to be hopping. That's you know. So if you're a Freemason or a, a Grotto, or you want to be, I don't care what you are. If you want to come have a cocktail, hang out with some brothers, come see us that weekend. That reminds me that's April 22nd. And so if you're not a Grotto member, James Buchanan's uh, annual wreath laying is that same day. Lodge 43 goes in our tuxes and is present for that. And it's always a nice uh, ceremony at his, uh, at his grave site. And the following weekend, I guess I'll pre we'll probably be back in between, but I'll give a plug um, for it, is Masonic Con, um, the 29th up in Alboro, Massachusetts at Ezekiel Bates Lodge. Um, there's going to be hundreds of vendors a handful of speakers. There's no cost for any of that. Um, lunch is a $5 donation if you want to eat there. Um, also, the local grotto, which is Nava Grotto. And I'm going to totally mispronounce it, but the, uh, the local tall cedars for us is like Massa Pequoy or something. It's like a Native American name, um, forest. The Grotto are doing a Grotto degree, and the Tall Cedars are doing a Tall Cedars degree. And it's casual dress all day. So if anybody wants to become a Grotto member or become a Tall Cedar, um, reach out to me on the show, and um, I'll put you in touch with whoever you need to be in touch with. Nice. I have a request for our listeners. Okay. On April, look at my calendar, on April 27th, it is the 4th, no, is that the 4th? Yeah, that is the 4th Thursday of the month. Uh, we have a Lodge 43 member who now lives in New Mexico coming home, but he's bringing uh, a few officers from his traditional oh, observance cool. lodge with him, but they want to see some Pennsylvania degree work. And I am struggling to find an extra meeting in, within the central Pennsylvania area on April 27th. So if we have a listener out there that knows of a, mm. a lodge within driving distance of Lancaster. Uh, we'd sure like to come visit. Sounds good. You can email us at where? 
Or Facebook us? Uh, Masonic Light Podcast at gmail.com. That sounds pretty good. And uh, you guys lied to me. You said you're going to come up to uh, New England, but I don't think you guys are coming up. So here's here's what's going on with New birthday. England. Really? 29th. So the original plan was to go up there with Jack Aquilina so we could meet Jack Aquilina in the flesh. Yeah. And Jack is canceled. Uh, well, not canceled, but he has a work opportunity to make some bucks, which will fund his trip here in June to go to the Masonic Roundtable's event June 24th down in D.C. So he likes them better than us. I get it. That's, I understand. Well, here's they're the, more established and they have more listeners. Well, here's they the, are more professional. Yeah, yeah, that's that's for sure. Okay, three for three. I, okay, I want to go there too. So I'm on I'm on the fence about doing one of the two. And if we we go down to DC uh, for the 300, then my my parents live down there, so it's kind of a no brainer. Go see my parents. Go meet Jack. He's considering coming back the week after that and uh, spending some time in Lancaster and trying to see some of our meetings. He might extend his vacation. If we can, uh, if we can pull it off. Do you think someone should cover the uh, Grotto Association meetings from here, from the MLP group? I think so. I mean, I'm I'm kind of busy. Uh, yeah, you are. So, so yeah, I mean, uh, I uh, I will volunteer to do that. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, bring Dude, the, bring got, some of the equipment out. I, I mean, got delay. You, it's uh, I mean, it's at Gettysburg, so it's not. Yeah. It's it, not. You do do it. Go up and come back. You don't have to get a room. Yeah. Or if you want to get a room, it's like eighty bucks a night. Oh, Lord. Oh, I guess we God. should go home. Oh. Let's wrap this up. We'll just come back. We have no news. Wow. No, it's, it's Although just, our news director is here oh, in body yeah, and spirit just, tonight. Yeah. No news is good news. No news is good no news. news. We had long enough uh, brother on the street. Let's just uh, cue the banjo music and get the hell out of here. Studios for allowing us to continue to record here, and to Mrs. Monarch for the wonderful birthday cake tonight. Our producer Jason Lewis, our news director Jack Harley, our C. McCorvey brother on the street. Uh, to uh, brother Pete Ruggieri, happy birthday to you. Thank you much. And uh, basically, that's all I've got for tonight. Yeah, I, got, I've got, I, I don't have it. I have nothing else. Wow. All right. Good night. I have nothing to offer. Hey, this is Larry saying good night. Thank you for listening. It's Jason. Good night. Pete. And there's Jack. And sometimes Jack. <laughs> Please, someone pick up. We got dead air here. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, I got a woman up. <laughs> <laughs>